The football pod with Paddy and Andy. We wanted to hit Kerry like they were never hit before. Mm. And he goes, when we hit them, and then we go, oh, they go like this. And then they went at them again. That's what Tyrone have to do. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. Oh, the shape that will get. If you've let all the fans down. Can we not knock this? It's a fact. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladicci, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. The answer questions on anything, uh, religious, politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you, except for those two, have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you! Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Steven Gerrard, Francesco Totti, Harry Kane. History will remember these three men as one club man. Welcome along to Team 33 and to call here with you until about 10 o'clock this evening. And I'm joined on the line by ESPN's Kathleen McNamee and Oshie McQuarrens. They were with us last week. Guys, how are you getting on? Hey, and how's it going? All good, all good. So we'll start with the news that's breaking as we record this, which is on Wednesday, and that is that Harry Kane is staying at Spurs at least for the next couple of months. In his statement on Twitter, he said that it was incredible to see the reception from the Spurs fans on Sunday and to read some of the messages of support I've had in the last few weeks. I will be staying at Tottenham this summer and will be 100% focused on helping the team achieve success. A lovely picture of him giving uh, a little bit of a, a, you know, a clapping of the hands towards the Spurs faithful in the uh, new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So, Kathleen, I guess we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, oh, no, we won't start with Kathleen because she just dropped <laughs> off the line. So, Oshin, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, Harry Kane, he's staying at, at Spurs at least for the summer, it says yeah. in a statement. Funny I, way I, want, I want to come up with a lot of different conspiracy theories here. Mm, I thought that was a funny way of wording it, like staying for the summer. It's August 25th, well, 20, uh, late August. So, like, that, I think his definition of summer is a little bit... Uh, a little bit loose but yeah I suppose it's kind of a resolution to the situation at least for now really isn't it I mean Tottenham fans will probably be quite pleased that he's there for the, the well the some the season you would imagine and um, I'd say it'd be unlikely that City will revisit it in January but it's a funny one because it's kind of I mean I, I don't want to say he's come back with his tail between his legs but it's a little bit like that you know that kind of way I mean it's like well City clearly didn't want to pay the money that Spurs wanted so it's a case of well you're, like, you're gonna have to stay and it was a funny way of announcing it. You don't see that very often in terms of the player actually saying that they're going to stay um, amidst all the interest and stuff like that. And then I think Spurs actually quote tweeted his tweet then and things like that saying, oh, some kind of let's do this or something like that. So it's a strange, strange one. I don't think Harry Kane look, comes out of this looking, looking very well, really, to be honest with you. But listen, if he bangs in 25 goals, as he usually does, and Spurs have a good season, top four, well, might be a case of all forgiven, but nah, I'll be interested to really see how uh, how it plays out. I I can't imagine the fans will be on his back too much, to be honest with you. And uh, I'd say it'll be it'll be it'll might be forgiven quite quickly, but um, yeah, it looks like it's the end of that situation anyway. For now, yeah, I think I, I think it's an interesting one that uh, he announced it on Twitter because it's, it's sort of the new modern way of doing things now that instead of needing to work through the newspapers, like I think you know Jason Burt from the Telegraph had his brother speaking on his behalf last week when we were actually discussing the issue of his, his transfer and whether or not he could go to Manchester city. And I I don't think professional footballers or professional athletes in general 
sort of need the media anymore. They have their own social media. They have bigger followings than most of the newspapers. So I thought that was very interesting. But the wording is even more interesting for me because, I mean, is he a follower of the Irish summer? In which case, you know, the summer's up, summer's up next week. The yeah. transfer window is still open. So summer's could Harry Kane be out the door at the end of the summer? Um, He could be. He could be. Uh, could he be gone in January? I think that's a, a less likely scenario. He's yeah. a, he, he's got a strong he's got a strong contract, got a long contract. He hasn't got a buyout clause, and you know January is just not the best time to try to get your business over and over the line. So I, I think it would be weird that Manchester City would try that, but I I don't know if I agree with you in the sense of the fans. I think he's got a lot of work yeah. to do here with the the Tottenham Hotspur fans because he um. He didn't exactly cover himself in glory over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a fair point, in fairness. Um, I will be interested to see how, how it goes. I really will, because he has kind of given, in fairness to Kenny, he has given so much to that club, and that club has given a lot back to him. So whether the fans kind of see it like that, or whether they see it as a mentioned earlier, like it is, a, it is a tail between your legs kind of thing. It's like, well, City, City didn't want to pay the money, so I guess I'll just have to stay in that kind of way. So, um, it's not the ideal scenario, probably for for Spurs fans. It's not the ideal scenario for Kane, really. It's not, I mean, it's, to be honest, the only it's only probably the ideal scenario for someone like Daniel Levy. Really, that's probably he's probably the real winner in this one because he was able to keep um, his best player for we we would imagine another season. But yeah, no, it's a fair point. I'll be interested to see how the fans kind of take to him and whether it, it's a case of a couple of weeks of a cool on and then he bangs in goals and it's. It's all fine all of a sudden. But no, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Because in fairness, they haven't looked they looked pretty good without him, really, haven't they? I mean he should have scored yeah. at the weekend, but but uh they, they it's not it's not a case of being the Harry Kane team as, as Pep Guardiola once calls for us. Well, it's the beautiful part of football is that fans will say they hate Harry Kane and then he'll score two goals against Arsenal or whoever in the next couple of weeks and he'll be back in our good book straight away. So Kathleen, you dropped out there when we were starting off the show. Harry Kane staying at, at Spurs for at least the summer. Oshin wasn't going with my conspiracy that you know the Irish summer ends next week and he's going to be out the door by the end of the transfer window. So, what do you think of this situation? I think it's a bit mad. Um, the fact that I even the tweet that he sent out today just seemed really obvious to me that he had asked for permission to the first person to tweet it out to kind of get the fans on side. I know when I was writing the story earlier today, I was kind of like, this summer, what does that mean? It feels a bit unclear and I think fans will be a bit unhappy with that I think he would have been better if he had just said I'm staying here for the foreseeable or something this summer almost seems like a challenge that he's laid down um again there is that thing of like when does the summer actually end is he going to make a last ditch attempt to actually leave in the next couple of days I don't think he is I think it's interesting that a lot of like are aware that they need someone like Harry Kane but it almost seems slightly Believe that they're not getting Kane this summer and looking forward to maybe taking on someone like Haaland next summer instead. Um, but I just think it's a mess. And like I just thought the end of what Oshima was saying there, I think he is right in the sense that if Kane starts scoring goals, Tottenham fans aren't going to be terribly annoyed at him. But Spurs are kind of doing all right for a while there. And I don't know if the whole up roar and but like we were saying last week the unrest generally will help the team all that much if this saga is going to continue which kind of seems like it is from his tweet we all know he wants to leave 
at the end of the day, is it kind of his fault for signing a long contract with Spurs in the first place? You got asked that question as well. Um, but I think that this is like this story isn't going anywhere. If anything, that tweet opened up a lot more questions because if I can't see City wanting to get back into that whole sort of rigmarole with him as well. So if he's lost the opportunity to go there who else is going to step in where is he going to go if he is only staying at Spurs for this summer Mm. yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how it develops it it has strange parallels with Steven Gerrard and his failed move to Chelsea back in the day and I mean Steven Gerrard eventually stayed like Harry Kane is staying and he changed his mind about wanting to leave he ended up staying at, at Liverpool for the rest of his career and ultimately went down as a one-club hero for that club. So it will be interesting to see if Hurricane tries to force this move again. At 28 years old, I think he'd just be better off just riding out his contract and hoping to win one or two trophies, maybe a League Cup here and there with Spurs, or hope that Nuno can get them into an FA Cup final or something like that, because it doesn't look like they're going to be able to compete for a Premier League trophy anytime soon either. But we'll move on to something a little bit more fun. This is a tweet from Ali Maxwell that went out during the week, which I think I found very interesting and difficult when I was sitting there thinking about this. He basically he tweeted, "If you could watch three Premier League sides this season, but you could only you could only watch three of them, who would you choose and why?" The rules is that you can only watch every you can watch every single game that these three teams are involved in. So it doesn't matter who they're playing against; you can you can watch that game, but no other live Premier League matches. So that means if you choose. Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, then you can't watch Man United take on Man City. You can't watch the Manchester Derby, things like that. So I, I, I'm i going to wait and hold my hold my ammo on this. So, Oshin, I'll let you have the first shot on this. Who would be the three teams that you would watch? You can only watch three three Premier League teams. Who would they be and why? Okay, I found okay, I found two to be quite easy. So, firstly, I'm going to go with Leeds because, obviously, I'm going to go with Leeds. They're my team. But also, I think that they're probably the most entertaining team to watch regardless. They were last season. Anyway, this season, I think they started a little bit slower, as we know. But I think they're still a great watch. I mean, they're going to go gung-ho every single game. They look like they don't really care about defending that much again this season. So, so does that. But, uh, yeah, I think Leeds are great. The way they play, um, man-for-man defending, uh, counter-attack, putting nearly 11 men forward on every attack. Um Possession-based football, quick, quick wingers. Uh, I think Leeds, Leeds are definitely top for me. Then I would think it would, then came Chelsea. I'd say, Chelsea I'd say, was, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I meant to Chelsea interrupt you there. Second. Chelsea, oh, sorry, were second. I was going yeah, to get, I was going to get you to pick one, and then we'll we'll move through them. But I'll, go on, explain uh, to me why Chelsea. Explain. Okay, I think Chelsea. I love watching Chelsea these days, especially under Tuchel. I think we kind of spoke about it a little bit last week, but they're very kind of they're they're very European style kind of. Team. I think Tuchel's brought that and like if you look they're so good they're good everywhere and now with the addition of Lukaku as well like that's fascinating that was fascinating to me against Arsenal I think it'll be fascinating to see him um, up against Premier League defenders again and seeing him week in week out but like you look at the way they play they've got brilliant midfielders like Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante whichever two of them you decide to pick they're always great um, the fullbacks playing as or the wingbacks should I say kind of basically playing as wingers Reese James was up so high and um, against Arsenal and then you've got you've got like an interchanging Havertz, Pulisic, Ziyech, Werner, like you've got many, many players who can play in that position in like a 10 or out wide or something like that. So I think Chelsea are, are superb. And then the third one, I, I was a bit torn. I, I actually, I think I was going to, I think I might go at West Ham though Um, this season. I'm really liking West Ham to be fair. Uh, I think 
Moyes has them very, very solid. He has them playing really nice football. That kind of front four is that front four is quite is electric, really. When you think about mm-hmm. it, and like Antonio was having a pretty couple of the goals Antonio scored there against um, Leicester. They were exceptional. He had a great, great game. And then you've got Ben Rama, who looks like he's going to have a like Ben Rama for me. He's a box office player anyway. In the championship with Brentford, he was super. He was probably the best player in the championship that season a couple of years ago. And then last season, he kind of was. Ah, he was never really a starter. I mean, it was a bit of a stop-start kind of campaign for him last season. But this season, it feels like he's really going to kick on. And he's excellent to watch. And you got four now. Jared Bowen, a player that I absolutely love. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. So I think that's probably going to be my three, really. I'm going to go Leeds, Chelsea, West Ham. But I had a few sneaky other ones. Like Brentford were kind of were sneaking in there. But I haven't seen enough. I mean, I haven't seen enough of them. I've seen a couple of games, really. That's it. But... Um, they play really, really nice football too. Ivan Tony is a great player. You've got their fullbacks there, uh, Rico Henry, and I can't remember who the left back is, but they are they're a really good side to watch. Thomas Frank has them solid too. But I think I'll go with yeah, Leeds, Chelsea, and West Ham for me. I think West Ham are very good. They're very entertaining to watch, and they're they're a good side as well. It's amazing what David Moyes has done, and you know, after the the crap that he's gone through over the last ten years, it's actually quite nice to see David Moyes doing well because he comes across as one of football's nice men to be fair I, I didn't realise we were, were we going to go like 1-1-1 <laughs> one, 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 or how is it going to go that's what I that's what I had planned but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll carry sorry. on with the, the three we'll, we'll, we'll debate them after we have everyone's three okay fair fair yeah well I have one that I agree with on Oshie would be Chelsea Um, I think even after watching them playing Arsenal at the weekend I enjoyed just watching Chelsea more than I did watching Arsenal um, and I was also looking at the like top of the table and the top clubs in the Premier League and it was almost I went with Chelsea as much because watching the other teams annoys me a lot of the time like I, I can't watch United there's still too much there in my head Liverpool and Klopp annoying me we talked last weekend about how much I do not enjoy watching Man City so after a while I kind of left with Chelsea but I do also think that they're a really fun team to watch under Tuchel like you watch them play in the Champions League last year it was really fun Lukaku has been great already and he hasn't even been there for that long um and also I kind of did a little thing with mine when I was picking them so obviously we said top Premier League ones but I was like if I was to also only watch certain WSL teams obviously they're going to be on Sky Sports and BBD this season which is really cool if I was to choose the same Premier League team and the same WSL teams what ones would I go for and Chelsea is an obvious choice because they have such incredible players so that was my top one and I also think that they're going to have some of the best games this season based on the players um I watched quite a lot of them last year because obviously working for ESPN Pulisic is a massive interest for them so anytime there's a Chelsea match on the whole office has <laughs> Chelsea blazoned across screens right that's um, interesting. yeah well because he like he's probably in terms of a men's player one of the biggest ones that they've had in a long time one of their biggest hopes especially playing at a club like Chelsea. So the interest in him is absolutely phenomenal from that United or the state side of things. Um, and then secondly, I actually had Leicester because um, I've always really enjoyed watching them play. And again, they're a top team. They're a competitive team. They're one who don't annoy me. I've also, I've always really liked the fact that they kind of, had that massive win and they've kept in the with the big boys um it's always fun to watch Jamie Vardy scoring goals like he just some of the strikes that he puts in and then on the women's side their team has just come up for the first time into the WSL really really interesting work going on there Emil Heskey is actually working with their women's team a lot which is really cool and to bring them up it's 
absolutely massive for the club to get into the WSL from the championship. And finally, I'm committing myself to watching Arsenal for the season so at least I can watch Arsenal women. <laughs> there is no other reason why I want to watch that Arsenal team. Um, they are so horrendous as a fan to watch you, you go into every single game just expecting to be disappointed yet still coming out feeling depressed but uh, the women's team has a really exciting lineup this season uh, you have obviously Vivian Miedema who's broken all sorts of records in the WSL an incredible player she gets the ball at her feet and the way that she is able to just like dink and dive around defenders is amazing um, and then they also had a couple of really exciting signings there's Mane Wibachi who we got to see the first of her for Arsenal during the week during the Champions League qualifiers. And she's playing against PSV and she took a short corner, took it to the edge of the penalty box and just beautifully curled a strike into the top corner. It was just such a nice play. And she had another goal as well during the qualifying, which was wonderful. So between her, Mirama, and then also Nikita Paris, who they signed from Lyon this year, um, who used to hold the record for most goals in the WSL, which Mirama now has, so that's where we lost Kathleen for the second time in the night when she was describing Arsenal women's team as much much more dominant, really, than the Arsenal men's team, which, I mean, the Arsenal gave it the weekend. It was it was like boys against men, really, with Chelsea against Arsenal. Arsenal were decent in, in parts, but then Chelsea just picked them apart. Yeah, I, it was, I mean, it, it was exactly how you thought that game would go. You know what I mean? If you were to say, like, if you were to close your eyes and go, how will this game go? You'll go, okay, Lukaku will probably dominate. He'll probably score. I actually thought Lukaku might grab a couple more. Like he'll probably score. Like Chelsea were Chelsea. It could have got to like four or five in the first half, but Chelsea kind of looked like they settled. Second half, Arsenal didn't really show anything really. I just kind of petered out, and it was just, it was just a pain by numbers. Chelsea performance really. I mean, it was. I don't even think Chelsea played that well to be honest with you. I just think it was Chelsea in like third gear, fourth gear. Mm. You don't have to kind of do that much. Lukaku, I thought was 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 excellent. I thought Lukaku was probably the best player, but I mean, you knew you knew what was going to happen. Like you knew the, you knew what Lukaku was going to try and pin Mary. Like you knew he was going to like he was going to dominate the two central defenders, no matter who they were first. If it was Ben White, Rob Holding, Mary, it doesn't matter which of the defenders they played there. Lukaku was always going to dominate them, and to not even give like it felt like Xhaka was doing nothing because I know in fairness to Carragher. They had a, it was on Monday Night Football. They, they analyzed Lukaku's performance and they analyzed the Arsenal game. And they said that, like, Xhaka kind of was dropping into a back three almost um, when Chelsea would pick up the ball. And, like, you kind of look at it and think, what was the point? Like, that did nothing. You're like, I, I, it, the tactics just make no sense to me. But, yeah, Chelsea looked really good. Arsenal just looked really poor. And that was just, it was just as you would have expected it to have gone. It just went that really went that way. Like a, mm. Arsenal just had showed no real threat. Um, Aubameyang came on. I don't think he. Well, I mean, he was okay. He stretched the lines a little bit. But he didn't do that much. And you're kind of looking and like Emil Smith Rowe. I like when he's on the ball. I think he's he reminds me of a mini Jack Grealish. But I just don't think it's just not there for Arsenal at the moment. It's just no spark. And Chelsea were just didn't even have to really do that much, and they still managed to relatively easily pick up three points. Yeah, I saw that analysis on Monday Night Football and I, I kind of laughed a little bit at it because, I mean, in the first half alone, the amount of space that Reese James had down the right flank, it was Hilarious. as if Kieran Tierney was playing. So, And Kieran yeah. Tierney is one of the best left backs in the Premier League. It was just it was sheer, sheer domination from, from Chelsea. And they were just, it was the most worrying thing for me is that it felt like we were kind of messing and kind of joking, but it felt like a top six performance against the mid-table side. 
that's what yeah. it felt like. And that's where Arsenal just seemed to be, that seems to be their level at the minute. So it's, it's worrying signs for them over the next couple of weeks, but maybe they might, they might pick it up. Word has it, Miguel Delaney is reporting today that, you know, that Miguel or that Arteta is actually in severe, uh, under severe pressure at the minute, that it's, it's not yeah. all rosy, that the, the board are actually kind of questioning whether or not he's the man to bring them forward. Antonio Conte seems to be not interested in the job, that he, he doesn't think that Arsenal are the club for him. And I, I'd, I'd be inclined to yeah. agree with that, especially the fact that Conte doesn't work well with directors of football. So I don't know how well he'd get on with the do. Um, before we move on to the, you know, the move on from this conversation in, in general about the, the best teams to watch in the Premier League, I, I spoke about the, how many bad teams there are in the in the league. Yeah. So I want you to to rank for me here the best and worst bad teams in the Premier League. So okay, you can, are we talking about okay? What mm, sorry, are we talking about like how they play as in to actually watch them? Because Norwich, I think Norwich are not a good football team, but I kind of like watching them. Yeah, so you I would say I would way. say I would say the best and worst to watch off the off the bad teams. Okay, I actually yeah. took my notes here and I have notes, so um, yes. Okay, I think best. Okay, I like I like watching Brighton. I think Brighton are quite nice. Um, I think Graham Potter is actually a good coach. I think they still need a number nine. I know Mafe is decent enough, but I think they still probably need one there. Um, they've got some nice players. Basum is pretty good. Um, I like the way they play. Um. They at times their football is really really nice. I felt like when in Potter's first season, I thought they'd kick on a lot more. They have a lot more than they have. They're still kind of not quite there. And to be fair, I actually do think that's probably down to the fact that they missed so many chances. Wasn't their expected goals last season was something ridiculous, like, mm. and their actual goals where was way way lower because they just didn't have. I think Mopi was out injured for a bit, and I, they still need like it feels like they need it. If they had a proper number nine, they could they could probably be a much better side into the mid table, but. Yeah, I like watching Brighton play. I think Crystal Palace actually might be quite nice when uh, when Eze comes back, when uh, Michael Elise is is fit because he's really good. They got him from Reading um, this summer, but he's injured. So I think they could be nice. They got Zaha and um, Benteke's not that great. I mean, they probably could do a number nine, but like, I think they, they have a couple of flair players that could kind of take them, could make them an entertaining watch, I think. Um, and then who else did I have? Southampton, yeah. Southampton looked pretty decent in fairness against Man United. Thought they'd be a lot worse than they were. I thought they'd be a lot worse for both games. I know they lost to Everton, but when you consider who, what they've lost in Danny Ings and Yannick Vestigard, like two of probably their two best players if you take away Ward Prowse. Um, but I don't think they're too bad to watch. I think their fullbacks are pretty good. Livermento looks like a really good player. Uh, signed from Chelsea. I like watching Ward Prowse in the middle of the park. Romeo breaks it up well. I actually like Adam Armstrong. He is like Danny Ings. Like they've essentially just signed Danny Ings, but yeah. the championship version of it, which is pretty, it's pretty cool. Like, um, they could do a probably better wingers. They just seem like they have like interchangeable amount of wingers that I'm not really sure who exactly they are or where they signed them from. But uh, Southampton, I think, are quite decent to watch. So I suppose I'd go with those three for the best ones to watch. Maybe Burnley. I had Burnley down ironically because what they do is effective but not good to watch no i i I would have them as lower on the the scale of bad teams so yeah i I think i'd go i i agree with brighton but brighton annoy me because everyone talks about them as if they're world beaters when you know true they're real real really and truly unless they make real progress this year which i mean they might do they might actually push for a a solid enough mid-table finish and with their budget you have to give them credit but also it annoys me that people were talking about them as if they were amazing when in re- reality terms they had 
very few points and they were fighting relegation last year. Yeah. So they, they kind of annoy me a little bit. I don't think they're as good as people make out to be. Uh, but it is it is interesting to see a progressive English coach like Graham Potter and he grew a beard yeah. this year, which is always a plus sign. There you sign. go. Very be strong beard. For Graham. Mm. Very strong beard. Norwich are a side yeah. that are really good to watch. They're fun to watch. They're like they're they're a, a really good championship side. A re- yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's there's nothing wrong with that though. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. No, there, there's there's not. I I think they're 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 nice in a bad way and a good way. They're. They're, they're a nice side. They're a nice side to get if you're struggling in the league for form and you need to mm. you need to pick up a, a win. And they're a nice side to watch in, in terms of Norwich fans. There was a, I can't remember who it was on TalkSport talking about, it might have been Simon Jordan talking about Norwich and their strategy of going up and down and saying it was it was the wrong thing to do. That that just seems like a crazy thing to, to me that I, somebody would I, be criticizing I, Norwich for that. I've seen that. What do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? Fulham spent 117 million in 2018 mm. and they went down. The same thing happened to them. So you're like, it's not about spending money. It's like, oh, you have to go up and spend money and be serious about it. They spent 45 million. That's spending money. Like Sheffield United didn't barely spend a penny when they went up first season. They finished what? Eighth, seventh, eighth. Fulham did it, spent 120 million and they went down. So it's not about that. It's not about necessarily spending money and saying like, oh, it's, it's against the ethos of football and stuff like that. What are you talking about? Like, what do you want these teams to do? Are you, where are they going to get this money from that, that they're supposedly going to have to spend on these players? I'm not being funny, but like, it's not like you're going to be attracting lads like Mbappe or Haaland and like players like that to Carroll Road. There's a, there's a like, there's a ceiling on how good of a player you're going to get anyway. So for mm-hmm. me, if I'm a Norwich fan, like, it's probably going to be a bit frustrating, but like, if you go down, you're going to probably go back up again next season because Daniel Frack is a really good coach. They've got really good players for the championship. Even this season, they've signed players who are quite decent, but probably probably championship level, but still good. So you're kind of like, I don't know what you want Norris to really do here because I'm never for the opinion of ripping it all up. Like, what got you to the dance you trust? But then again, you also can't go and buy a full new team because if that doesn't work, not only then do you go straight back down, then you're stuck in like a bit of a financial limbo where you spent over 100 million and you're no better than you were the season before that. You're probably worse if you go down to the championship because a lot of these players aren't going to want to stay because they're on massive wages. So for me, that was just a, that was a pointless, pointless conversation to even have. If I'm, yeah. a, if I'm an Irish fan, I'm thinking, okay, it's fine. We're going to get, probably going to get pumped by the big teams. We'll pick up results. We'll probably go down, but like, what, what, what I don't know what they expect. I don't really... I don't know what they want Norwich to be, really. It was Alex. It was, it was Alex Crook. Alex Crook. I I, yeah. I thought it wouldn't have been. It doesn't sound like something Simon Jordan would say. He's actually quite progressive in his thoughts towards the lower clubs. So it was, it was Alex Crook on Talksport that, that said that, and I I just thought it was ludicrous. I mean, <laughs> Man City we Man City has spent a billion over the last couple of years, <sighs> and he expects Norwich to somehow compete with that. I know They're, they need to. It's it's sort of like we'll talk about uh, Jurgen Klopp and Sean Dyche after the break, but. It's sort of that idea that you know the smaller sides, the the sides with less money, should be acting in the exact same way as the top six, the big six, or PSG, and and that's shown to be not a sustainable model. Look what's happening with Barcelona. Look what's happening with Juventus, Inter Milan. These these cl- big clubs are not acting in a moral way. They're acting in a horrendous way that only somehow billionaire clubs who are funded by Qatari regimes are able to to survive from. So. Yeah. It's it's not a sustainable model. What Norwich are doing are is sustainable, and 
it's a pity that we live in the day and age that a team like Norwich can't stay in the Premier League by what they're doing. Mm. They have to go out and spend like a hundred million to stay in the Premier League. That that's not the way football should work. So I, I just thought that was that was an insane. But that was a that was a sidetrack. That was a sidetrack. Norwich are a good team to watch. I think. Yes. Um. Not. So, I'm going to hold my fire on Crystal Palace, like you said, until. As in mm, that's other, more, yeah, that's potential more so than actually. I, yeah. I, I've, I've got my, I've got, I've got concerns about Patrick Vieira as a manager because of his, his track record. So I've got concerns there with Crystal Palace, and I always thought they would struggle after, um, after, um, Hodgson yeah. retires. So I, I always thought that would be a difficult person to replace at the club. So a whole fire in them. Arsenal. They're a bad side in general. Like they're kind of fun to watch in a way. Southampton is an interesting one. I I I struggle with Southampton because I just think I'm not really sure what Hassan Hoodle's trying to do. You know, he came into the club. He he did quite well at the start. Did quite well at some stages last season, but they're just not kicking on. And I yeah. think we're I think we're still holding Southampton to the same esteem as when Pochettino was in charge of them and when Ronald Koeman was in charge. I think that's a little bit unfair on Southampton because they've they've steadied this year up there, a Premier League club, but they're not a very good one. Um, in terms of the bad ones, Newcastle for me are the worst. Yeah, I just have Newcastle and then horrendous. Beside <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hate watching Newcastle. I don't know what they are, really. And it's funny because, like, Alan Sam Maximum is probably one of the most entertaining players. Like, pound for pound, probably one of the most entertaining players to actually watch as an individual in the league but it's just that i just can't watch a newcastle game it's just the most boring thing ever like st james's park is a great stadium i feel like it's an aesthetically pleasing stadium to watch a game on sky sports or whatever bt sports but i just can't i can't do it for newcastle i can't looking at like guys like isaac hayden and, and that in the center mid and i'm like i didn't even know you were still playing here jacob no. murphy players like that and i'm like i can't do this lads i just can't i'm sorry yeah, Jacob Murphy scored the first game of the season. I was like, "Oh my god, how are you still at Newcastle?" Yeah, I did a, I did a save, uh, a FIFA save with Newcastle a couple of years ago, and Jacob Murphy was like one of the first players I sold. <laughs> <It was> just <laughs> out, out the door straight away, useless. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, useless in terms of the Premier League Con- context hmm. is everything. W- Watford are aside for me. You can get rid of. You can just get rid of them and never. I, I would have been happy if they never came back to the Premier League. Not not because of the the ba- the bad football they play because. Again, they have Ismail Asar, who is one of the more interesting and entertaining players in the league. But the, just the way that they treated their managers over the last few years and the, their model of club, now that that's a model of club that I I can't get behind. They, yeah, that, that, I, I just I have no interest in Watford at all. And then Wolves, I think for me, mm. are boring now. They're they're not really the entertainers that they were in the first year or two that they were in the Premier League. Yeah, I think Wolves is a decent enough show. I think I probably wouldn't class them as a bad enough team for this. That's the only yeah. thing. They That's could be getting point. there. That's, they could well be getting there. But um, yeah, like you look at, I mean, they lost Shota. That was going to be a hit. Like um, Neto was out injured. He's a very, very good player. I think Pedence, I don't think he's fully, I'm not even sure if he's fully, but he hasn't played the first couple of games. Raul Jimenez is only coming back to fitness. Um, Adama Traore is probably not as electric or. Not not as electric, but I just people are people are kind of seeing now that his end product is not what his other it is not is probably the weakest part of his game, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so there's only so many there's only so much running you can watch a man do when he butchers across every single time. So you're kinda of like, Okay, it's not as entertaining as that was like a couple of seasons ago. But um who would you say before Wolves? Oh Watford, yeah. Watford. Yeah, Watford. I mean, I don't know who the manager is. I like to think of a 
quite a good knowledge of Premier. Like, if there's a Premier, if, I think I know almost all every Premier League player. I could, I could probably name you like nearly every Premier League. I'm that confident in my knowledge. Except I don't know. I think I know about three players back offered, and that's that's a genuine idea. I looked at their starting eleven the today, and I was I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. No I idea. know their manager is Zisco Munez. No, um, I haven't got a clue. On, only because I had to learn that last week. But I didn't want to learn it. I do. Is there any point in learning no. the Watford manager's could, name? Because could still you know, how long is it going to be there? For me. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I, it's Watford just interchangeable, inter- interchangeable Italians. Like I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like, but I can imagine. I know what he looks like. Like he's just Kike Sanchez Flores, but with a different name. I think they just keep <laughs> they just keep rolling out regens of Kike Sanchez Flores and calling <laughs> every yeah. single season. That, that's what it feels like with Watford. Oh, I, I was trying to think of Kike Sanchez Flores' name there because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could turn around um, tomorrow and tell me Kike Sanchez Flores is in charge of Watford. I 100% say, believe you. 100%. Always has been. He yeah. always has been in charge Never of left. Yeah, never left. Yeah. 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 All right, so we do actually have some more football chat to talk about that's not just uh, football ramblings, but we do have to take a quick break. So we'll take that. We'll be back with more Team 33 after this. Team 33. This is OTB Sports Radio. All right, you're welcome back to Team 33. End a call here with you until about 10 o'clock this evening. I'm joined on the line by Usher McKearns, and I was joined on the line by Kathleen McNamee, but her line just wasn't holding up. So unfortunately, she won't be back for part two of the show this evening. But Usher, we'll fly through it. We'll fly through it. The, we shall. We, we shall get through it regardless. I do want to yeah. talk about Rio Ferdinand's comments about Phil Jones in a, in a bit, but you mentioned Jurgen Klopp and Burnley and the situation going on there before the break. And if anybody hasn't seen it, basically after the game last week, after Liverpool's 2 0 win over Burnley, Klopp was very critical of uh, the Burnley style of play and the way that they were getting stuck in, essentially. He said that you saw these challenges with Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood on Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip. He said that I'm not 100% sure if the officials are going in the right direction with these decisions. It's like we're going 10 to 15 years backwards. The rules are like they are, but you can't defend these type of situations. I like the decisions in favor of the offensive team. That's fine. But we we have to stick to protecting the players. We cannot deny it. If you like that sort of thing, watch wrestling. So that was Jurgen Klopp's comments after the Burnley game. Sean Dyche has actually hit back at, at Klopp over this, over the last few days. He said that he's not disappointed with his view on the game, that you know, he's entitled to have a view in the game, but he was disappointed in the name checking of uh, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. He said that we have professional players who worked very hard in their careers to get to where they are. The implication of them being untoward of, with some of their challenges, I think is wrong and I think it's inappropriate. I, I think it's highly inappropriate what Jurgen Klopp is saying here because I think it's, again, that sort of top six classism that you see where... I mean, Burnley are a side that everyone knows that what you're going to get with them. You're going to get high balls, you're going to get long balls, you're going to get crosses, and you're going to get hard challenges. That's what Burnley do to survive. It works very well for them. It's a sustainable way of playing. As far as I can remember, there hasn't been a serious injury against Burnley. Nobody's broken a leg. Nobody's had a fractured jaw. Nothing like that from from the top of my mind, anyway. And I, I think that... You know, Jurgen Klopp, what does he expect Burnley to do? Just sit back and watch the beautiful play that Liverpool are doing. I mean, Oshin, th- this really annoyed me because I like Jurgen Klopp, but this really got to me. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. What are, what are Burnley going to do? I mean, this is what they do every single game. It's not like they suddenly show up against Liverpool and they're kicking lumps out of them. You know what I mean? They, this is how they play. This is how Dyche sets them up. It's not necessarily... I don't think it's like... Maybe it's it's slightly cynical and it is aggressive and it's... it's I don't want to call it rough because that's not the right word, but 
it's i mean like it, it's not illegal what they're doing you know that kind of way it's not like it's overly it's not crossing the line it's not crossing the line i don't think i don't think it ever really has like even watching i remember watching burnley against leeds a couple of times or the two games they played against them last season and they were yeah they got into leeds like they but that's how you beat leeds that's how you beat a team like Liverpool as well i mean i know they're notoriously horrendous against manchester city for some reason but that's probably how you beat a team like city too like that's how you beat these teams if you're a burnley and if you've got players like chris wood ashley barnes you've got big defenders like ben me james tarkowski what are you you're hardly gonna play the ball on the on the deck against Liverpool, I mean, come on, like as if. So that, I think you you as I said, you hit the nail on the head when you said like that's it's hardly they're hardly just going to sit back and go oh, look how look how great Liverpool are football. Let's just watch them and let's just run around and chase shadows for for ninety minutes and let's lose four 0 and oh well we were supposed to lose four 0 so it's not the end of the world. Like if you go and you be competitive like and you challenge and like this is how. It's how most lower league teams would do it up against a Premier League club. And I don't want to say that Burnley are like a lower league club, but it's effective. It works. I don't see a problem with it. I don't think it was overly aggressive either. I watched the highlights of that game. Liverpool were very much the better side. I don't think anyone, like, you have to be a genius to, to know that that was probably going to be the case. But I, I, I didn't think, I mean, I thought there was nothing really that I saw that was no. massively untoward, really. So... I don't think Klopp really has much to be gone off here. Especially no, when they a, won. They won the yeah, game. Yeah, they, they won the game 2-0. There was yeah. they could have won more. They were by far and away the dominant side. Um and yeah, you like I've I've seen a couple of videos going around from it, but I mean it wasn't that bad. I mean, football's a contact sport. These are grown yeah. men. And if anything, football has gone too far the other way, in which case that you actually can't touch anybody on the pitch and nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see yeah a game that's sanitized to the point where you can't actually make a challenge or get stuck in. And yeah, I, I just think it was a bit slimy on Klopp's behalf. It was a bit unnecessary, especially given the fact that nobody was actually injured. Like yeah. Virgil van Dijk wasn't, didn't come out of this game injured, neither did Joel Matip. And I, I guess in a way he's trying to protect Virgil van Dijk from another freak incident like last year with Jordan Pickford. But I mean, it didn't happen in this game. It happened against Everton. So I, I thought it was completely unnecessary. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer said something similar after the their their one one draw with Southampton, and I I just think it's it's weird that the sides who have an unlimited amount of money compared to Burnley, compared to Southampton or whoever they're playing against. I mean, they have all the advantage in the world. They just want further advantage against these lower leagues or lower level sides, and I just I, I think it's a bit. It's a bit sad that you know Liverpool went out and won this game on their merit by being a better footballing side. That should be enough for Klopp, rather yeah. than trying yeah. to trying to point score and make the game a little bit easier for them. Because I mean, it's not Burnley's job to make the game easy. It's Burnley's job yeah. to make it as difficult as they possibly can for Liverpool to win that game. So I, I think that's all they were doing. It might not be the prettiest thing in the world, but I think it's quite effective and it's um, it's it's quite interesting as well that the Klopp would. Sort of stoop to that. So, all all for Sean Dyche by having a little bit bite back. So, we'll finish off with the Rio Ferdinand story. This was something that came out during the week that Rio Ferdinand was actually quite critical of uh, Phil Jones. He basically saying that he uh, he's taking up the position of a youth player in the squad right now. That he should have left Old Trafford years ago. That he's um, he wouldn't speak to him essentially if he was. At the club because he he knows that he just he isn't going to play anymore that he and he's basically just sitting on the bench picking up a nice little paycheck and not doing anything for Manchester United so 
unbelievably critical for a former United player who is quite close to the club and often visited, visits the, the training ground as well. So, I mean, Phil Jones, he's 29 years old. He definitely didn't turn into the next Brian Robson like Alex Ferguson once pegged him as here, Oshin. Um, but is it is it up to Phil Jones to leave United or is it up to United to find a suitor? I, yeah, strange. I, for me, initially I thought, yeah, it's up to United to find a suitor. I mean, it's not like, you know, I don't, we don't know the ins and outs of this. I don't know if Phil Jones is sitting there turning down deals left, right and centre, be like, knock on there, knock on there. Like, if you, I don't even think he has that much power to do that, probably. Like, if United wanted to shift him, you feel like they probably could shift him. Like, I mean, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Well, he's like, on hundred so, k a week, though. That's the issue. That is true. That is a good point. Yeah, and I think for like to be fair, I think Fred had a point. I think it was a bit. He went a bit heavy at it, like, but um, like he went. Yeah, he went a bit like he went a bit in on Jones a bit more than I thought he would. But I think he probably does. Jones, it's a funny one because I can see both sides. I can see why Fred would probably be upset at this and why he would criticize Jones and think oh he's lazy sit on 100k and I know he used a good anal- an analogy a comparison or similarity I suppose with, with Danny Drinkwater um, at Chelsea he's kind of doing something similar he imagined but you don't know like is it a case of Jones is just he's he, is it injuries that is kind of keeping him from leaving is it as you said that 100k that comfort of just sitting there he hasn't played since January 2020 which is a long long time when you think about it really and I know we had lockdown and stuff like that but still like that's that's a long time like that's over I mean, if you put it together, it's probably like just over half season. So, um, I, as I said, I can see where Real Fernandez is coming from with the criticism. I think he went a bit over the top, but I can see where he's coming from. But if it's, I think Jones, there's there's a side to this, I think, that we're not hearing about really, I'd say, with Jones. There's something, is it, it has to be something like injuries. It has to be something along those lines. Because I don't know, I, I don't, I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of player who wouldn't go somewhere if the opportunity arose. I don't think I don't think he'd be turning down. I know there was like he was linked with like a West Ham or Everton. It feels like some. I think he was linked with one of those clubs. But I think yeah, Ferdinand was a bit aggressive in the way he did it. He ha- probably does have a point, but I think there's. I'd like to hear Phil Phil down the side of this. I would definitely like to hear yeah. hear hear how he how he sees uh, his current situation. Well, it's um it's an interesting one because you know. <laughs> It's for for me. This is Man United's fault because when they sold Chris Smalling, they handed Rio Ferdinand or they handed uh, Phil Jones a new contract. I wish they handed Rio Ferdinand a new contract. Yeah. They handed Phil Jones a new contract, made him one of the most expensive players uh, in the squad. I think the deal over four years was worth fifteen and a half million to Phil Jones. So I mean, if the, if these are the the sort of contracts United are handing out to players like Phil Jones, then that is the reason they can't sell any players on and. A lot of has a lot has been made about Liverpool's net spend and comparing it to United's net spend. I mean, th- this is why United physically cannot yeah. get rid of these players because they are paying them so much money. So that's one of the issues that United will have to deal with at some point because it's turning into a Barcelona situation where you know Barcelona had all these players on huge contracts, yeah. and even if Lionel Messi could play for free, they'd still be ninety percent over their budget. So that's, that was a joke. Like, that's that's potentially a future that could be uh, on the horizon for United if they don't start to sell off some of these players. I think yeah. what will eventually will happen is like what happened with Alexis Sanchez, where they send him out on loan, then that loan becomes Probably, a two-year yeah. loan, and eventually they just they just get rid of him and terminate his contract. Before we finish up then, a couple of big matches coming up this weekend, Oshin. Uh, Man City yeah. against Arsenal. 
this weekend, as well as Liverpool against Chelsea on Saturday, the half five game, which is quite an interesting one coming up this weekend. Um, I, I don't know if there's much to say about Man City Arsenal. I don't know if that's a top six uh, clash anymore. I think that's going to be a fairly easy walkover for Man City. Yeah, I think City should have that one fairly handily enough. I it's the worst fixture going for uh, Arsenal in terms of their last two games. The last thing you want to see is City coming off a five 0 win, really, isn't it? Like, um, so I think that's just going to be probably another three 0 three one, something along those lines. City, I can't see Arsenal doing anything really causing any damage to City. Um, Liverpool Chelsea is a good game in fairness. That should be an interesting one. I think uh, that would be a, a very good acid test of where both teams really are. Um, I know it's only two or three games in the season, but I think if there's a, a strong result either way, I think that will probably be a good a good solidifier for that team to continue kicking on. I think they'll both be up there at the top of the uh, table come the end of the season. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty fair to say. But I think this will be a good a good indication of where the, how they're doing. Um, both sides. So I'll be interested in that one. Yeah, City and Arsenal doesn't give off the kind of aura perhaps that it once would have. Um, all things considered, for Arsenal, but. I think it's a case of just getting this game out of the way and <laughs> just moving on to games that like the next couple of fixtures because Chelsea Arsenal and a newly promoted Brentford your first three games is terrible for for Arsenal when you think about it really isn't it yeah get into the international break as quick as possible for exactly Arteta, yeah. essentially I went to a Man City Arsenal game a couple of years ago and Man City just completely dominated them it was it was yeah it was unbelievable it was one of the best performances I've seen from that city side it was the three years I think it was three years ago or so so it was like the proper dominant Man City side mm. Liverpool Chelsea I think is going to be an interesting one Romelu Lukaku against Virgil van Dijk could make or break the perception oh, yes. of yes. whether yes. Romelu good. Lukaku has moved on from the flat track bully to the proper first class uh, Premier League strikers so that's that's going to be an interesting one coming up this weekend as well so let's let's hopefully we hopefully uh, that we yeah. get actually get some get some good games. I actually only realizing now I never named my three sides that I would watch. In the you may do go on then just mill through them there and see if there's any any good Manchester ones. Manchester United obviously because yeah, they're my side. I hate that one off the start. Yeah, Terrible. everyone everyone will hate that. Everyone will hate that. Liverpool yeah, yeah. are actually my second side because not not my not my personal second side. My yes, second yes, side yes. that I would watch because I think. It's enjoyable for me to watch them either way because they're a good side to watch. But secondly, if they lose, it's I've got a lot of Liverpool fans as friends, so I can Fair. Uh, lay into them about it. And then my third, you're gonna like this Leeds. Okay, yeah, I like to love that. Yeah, I, it's an my... obvious one. When Kathleen didn't say it, I was I was I was very disappointed. I don't like extremely no. disappointed. Le- Leeds but... are my third. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they play nice football at this point. And either way, you're yeah. gonna get goals. That's the point. True. Right? So if yeah. they're playing Man United, yeah. they might get tanked, but there's gonna be a lot of goals. Very true. Great so too. Leeds, like Manchester United, not bad. Yeah. Liverpool. I think it's I think it's very sure. Irish choice. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah it's it's a democrat or democratic choice. That's the word. I'm yeah, thinking. democratic choice. Anyway, that is us for Team Thirty Three this week. Oshin, thank you. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so that's us done on this week's Team 33. Thanks to you as ever for listening. If you want to listen back to that show or any of the Team 33 podcasts, the best place to find us is on the OTB Sports app, which you can download in your App Store or Google Play. You can get all the articles, all the videos, and all the podcasts from the OTB Podcast Network there. And you can subscribe to the Team 33 feed as well. Get notified every single time a podcast goes live. We will be back again, same time, same place, talking some more football. Until then, Ihoa, take away, Johan.